This is Ethan, and I'm here with Dave, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 142-inch. On this week's episode, it's the exciting conclusion to our interview with Doug Haverty, the art director for many of Weird Al's albums. And what is this about a new Weird Al movie? It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Expecto Paradium. Oh, so I guess you're excited about the big news. I sure am, Cooney. Yesterday, Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al podcast reported via a breaking headline news special report alert brief that Weird Al Yankovic will be getting a full-length, likely tongue-in-cheek, biopic treatment. And that's not all! Best known for his role as Harry Potter in, well, the Harry Potter film franchise, Daniel Radcliffe has been announced as portraying the titular role of Weird Al. The film will be called Weird, the Al Yankovic story, and is being produced by Funny or Die and Tango and starts shooting next month and will hopefully be available later this year. This announcement took the world by storm, quickly trending across social media, showing up as trending on Facebook, Twitter, and on the front page of Reddit, just to name a few. And as Ethan and I know, something huge happened in the world of Weird Al when old acquaintances come out of the woodwork to tell you about the news. And that certainly has been happening since yesterday. Now, if this film reminds you of the 2010 Weird movie trailer that was released on Funny or Die, that's no coincidence. Our understanding is that this will essentially be the full-length film that the mock trailer was advertising. And if you need more proof, the film is being produced by Funny or Die, and the script was co-written with Weird Al by writer and director Eric Appel, the same comedy music genius behind the original mock trailer. And this film is set to be an exclusive on the Roku channel. Ah, okay, hold on. Let me order a Roku right now. Okay, let me finish. From what we can tell, you can watch the Roku channel free of charge, yes, on Roku devices, but also on your phone, laptop, and pretty much anywhere except for your Apple TV. Oh, why didn't you say so, Dave? I just bought a Roku on Craigslist. Well, no worries, Ethan. At least you know you will definitely have an easy way to watch on your 1,999-inch TV. Now, in the original 2010 Weird Trailer, Aaron Paul of Breaking Bad fame plays the part of Al, and of course, we know he will not be reprising that role, as Daniel Radcliffe will be playing Al instead. Well, we here at Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al podcast personally think that Daniel Radcliffe is an excellent choice for the part of Weird Al. Well, not only is he a talented performer, he is a well-rounded actor showing that he can take humorous and serious parts and knock them out of the park. And we also know that Daniel is a fan of comedy music and especially Tom Lair, as illustrated by the time he sang the Elements song on The Graham Norton Show. And another reason, he's Harry freaking Potter! Okay, Ethan, so we know Daniel will be playing Weird Al and, you know, everything else we shared, but what else do we know about this upcoming film? 
Well, Dave, last month, you and I were alerted to a casting call for the role of Madonna for a film called Weird the Al Yankovic Story. Now, it will be very interesting to see who they ended up choosing to play Madonna. I mean, maybe Madonna herself auditioned. I mean, sure, why not? It's not like she has anything else going on. Yeah, or maybe Emma Watson will play Madonna. Yeah, and the guy who played, uh, you know, the red-headed wizard guy, well, he can play someone, too. That's a great idea. All right, well, who would you want to play Dr. Demento? Oh, I've got a good idea. Maybe he who shall not be named. I like that idea. Well, as long as we're speculating on who might potentially be cast in the film... Dave, you and I are a big part of the Weird Al universe. You know, we do host Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, the number one podcast in all of Chilliwack, and one of Weird Al's very own top five favorite Weird Al podcasts. Oh, you are so right. I cannot wait to see who they cast to play the parts of us. Ethan, who do you think they're going to cast to play your part? Well, maybe Josh Gad. Yeah, you know, I always did think you looked like a snowman. Okay, well, Dave, who should play you? Oh, that's a real easy choice. Well, Crispin Glover, of course. Ugh, gotta pass. Well, if not Crispin Glover, who? The Rock. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, obviously. The Rock? Are you serious? Yes, The Rock. What? No, 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 it's just, well, it's perfect! I know, right? I want to change my answer. I want The Rock to play me, too. Well, he can't play both of us. Why not? You're right. He's The Rock. He could totally play both of us. Oh, actually, I do have some privileged information about the rest of the cast that was shared to us by an informant. Oh, well, I guess that'll have to wait for later, because that noise means we have a message on the 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. All right, Frank, let's hear that glorious voicemail message. Hey, Dave. Hey, Ethan. Hey, everyone. Joe Jaffe here. I'm just sitting in my car waiting to go into work, and I am super duper excited about the upcoming movie Al is making. Although, do you know what I'm even more excited for? Barrage of texts and emails and calls from friends and family members over the next month asking for the news already. Thank you so much for that message, Joe. We are super duper excited about this film, too. And yes, our text messages, our Facebook feed, our OWL posts, and even our MySpace inboxes are also filled with these well-intended notifications from everyone across all walks of life who know that we are giant Weird Al fans. You know, this kind of stuff just comes with the territory. And personally, we're very glad that our friends and family and acquaintances and everybody think well enough of us that whenever Weird Al-related news breaks, they want to make sure that we know all about it. And speaking of breaking Weird Al-related news, let's see what else we have going on in This Week in Weird Al-related news! Yesterday, January 18th, marked the two-year anniversary of the humongous New York Times magazine photo shoot that featured Weird Al and over 200 fans dressed up as Weird Al. 
the photo taken was originally meant to be the cover photo for the New York Times Magazine to accompany the incredible article by Sam Anderson. And be sure to check out our interview with Sam Anderson back on episode 51 inch if you want to hear more about his incredible article. Now, a group of Weird Al superfans, including Kenneth Gwynup, UH Jeff Nussera, Amanda Cohen, and Scott Sorensen, set out to celebrate the anniversary by filming at the Quixote Studios, where the photos were taken and put together in a video commemorating the day. Our very own Ethan Allman makes an appearance as the host and narrator of the video. You will definitely want to go check out their excellent video, which we posted over on our Facebook group. Be sure to watch it, like it, and share it with all your Weird Al-related friends. The Logan Whitehurst Memorial Award for Excellence in Comedy Music is now accepting nominations for their 2022 awards through this Saturday, January 22nd. Be sure to head over to LoganAwards.com to nominate your favorite comedy songs and comedy artists. I know exactly who I'm going to nominate. I think I will nominate Ethan Christian and the Eligible Spatchlers for their song Petroleum Habit that I heard on the Dr. Demento show. Wait, who is it? Well, never mind that. Don't worry about it. A potential venue has surfaced for the upcoming June 17th and June 18th Los Angeles concert tour dates. While there still is no official announcement on WeirdAl.com, CID Entertainment, which is handling the pre- and post-concert VIP experience for the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent ill-advised vanity tour, has listed on their website that the concerts will be held at the John Anson Ford Theater in Los Angeles for both dates. No word yet on when tickets will go on sale, but keep your eyes on WeirdAl.com and on CIDEntertainment.com for the latest updates. Our friend, past guest, contributor, and Patreon supporter, Mike Minnick, has reported that Disney Plus has a brand new show called 80s Top 10. And on the first episode, there's a blink and you miss it clip of Weird Al from when he appeared on The Oprah Winfrey Show. Wow, you know, I had no idea that Weird Al was on Oprah Winfrey. And neither did I! You know, and apparently we were not the only ones who did not know that. After some research, Tony Goldmark was able to track down a slightly longer cut of the clip as part of an Everybody Loves Oprah promo for AM Chicago on WLS Channel 7. Wow! Great detective work, Tony! Tony posted a video over on our official Facebook group, group.2000inch.com. So head on over there if you want to check it out. And now it's time for This Week in Dave and Ethan's 2000-Inch Weird Al Podcast-Related News. This week's episode marks a very special milestone. Ah, the finale of our second three-part interview. No? Uh... The guest has the same first letter and same number of letters as Dave? No, it's even more special than that. Uh, milestone, mile... Stone! Did our intern Frank finally pass that pesky kidney stone that he's been doubled over in pain with for the past two weeks? Nah, he's still sobbing in the bathroom. <laughs> anyway, that reminds me... Get back to work, Frank! We don't pay you to cry! Yeah, Frank! 
So, Dave, can you give me a hint? Sure, but it's going to be a hint by the way of a question. What was our last episode to mark a very special milestone? Oh, that's easy. Episode 127 inch. And why was that episode such a very special milestone? Well, 127 is 1,832, less than the year Weird Al was born, of course. Oh, wait! Don't tell me 142 is 1,832 less than the year you were born! Yeah, that's it! We finally reached the episode number that is 1,832 less than the year that I was born. You know, when we started this podcast... I would have never thought we'd reach the episode that was 1,832 less than the year you were born. From all of me at Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, congratulations, Dave. Thank you very much, Ethan. And don't worry, you'll get to celebrate too, as the episode that is 1,832 less than the year you were born is coming up later this year. In other Dave and Ethan's 2000s Weird Al podcast-related news, last Friday, January 14th, we hosted another fun game night for our listeners on Zoom with help from our friend and Patreon supporter, Jake Larson. We played this really fun browser-based party game called Gartic Phone, which is essentially the telephone game with drawings and phrases. It's a lot of fun. And as always with our game nights, the game devolved into tons of Weird Al and podcast-specific references. If you missed it, don't worry, we'd love to do another game night real soon. So be sure to join our Facebook group at group.2000inch.com, as that is where we will post about future game nights and other exclusive podcast events. And the only thing that was missing was some delicious vegan Mexican food. This week's episode is brought to you in part by vegan burrito restaurant Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double wrapped in a quesadilla burrito burrito and wizard burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito, or hop on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering loaded, dare I say beefy, vegan burgers. From Troy to Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger feed the hungry with out-of-this-world, plant-based, real food, always vegan style. Visit burritosquared.com and wizardburger.com to order ahead. Okay, let's pick up with the final part of our interview with Doug Haverty, the Scotty Brothers art director that worked on many, many Weird Al releases. Already in progress, right where we left off last week. At what point did you learn that Al was changing his image? Was there buzz? Was there, you know, concern by anyone that, you know, Al's getting rid of the mustache, he's getting the LASIK eye surgery? Um, there's always concern when, when there's a brand and a brand identity and it's going to be altered. Mm -hmm. So, yes, there was concern. I, rem we were, I was working at Scotty Brothers when he had the LASIK surgery. You know, and he came and told us about it, you know, because it was, I think it was filmed. It was on TV or right, something. Right. And, uh, you know, he said he got up and he could see the clock across the room <laughs> immediately. And he was just like, this is a miracle. You know, can imagine having Coke bottle bottom glasses your whole life and then what, sitting up and being able to see the clock across the room. So um, we didn't think that he was going to not wear glasses. You know, I mean, even just like glasses with clear glass in them. Right. But as far as um, any pushback from the label, 
um, on on this album without the glasses and, and without the stash. Um, I never heard any any pushback. Hmm. I was not aware of it. Now hmm. Jay may have heard about it, um, but this was the first release through Volcano, so they were getting uh, it was a new artist to them, and you know artists change. You know, look how different Madonna's looked on every one of her album right. covers. Yeah. So I don't, I don't sure. think that uh, they were like, oh, whatever. We're we're going to put out a Weird Al album and hopefully it'll work. You know, so um, <laughs> yeah. At this point, though, you did mention this is the first album of Al's that was released on Volcano. Once Scotty Brothers sold over their uh, catalog to Volcano, were you then brought over to Volcano to work on? The, these, those projects or was it just this project just this project i was just hired as a freelancer mm, okay okay so at this point you had you had no, you're no longer working with scotty brothers and you've right, right on it. your own okay yeah yeah in fact it was uh in that same year that i started my own company called art and soul design mm. and i was i became a super freelancer <laughs> that was my that was my new life. I had I worked for two record companies that both did so well they got sold. When I uh, I worked at A and M, uh, and and neither one, neither label was looking to be sold. It happened twice. Um, Herb Albert and Jerry Moss were in London renegotiating a contract with Polygram, and because uh, Polygram distributed A and M in Europe and. Uh, the Far East, and so it was a hefty advance they were paying just to have uh, to be their distributor. And they said, "Why don't we just buy you?" <laughs> and Jerry Moss said, well, "We're not for sale." And they said, "Everyone's for sale. Name a price." <laughs> and so he said, "I don't know, five hundred million." <laughs> and they said, "Okay." <laughs> so, <laughs> wow <laughs> and and so it was just sold i mean herb and jerry both had sons that they assumed would take over the company and neither son wanted to so it's sort of like well you know what we weren't gonna we weren't gonna do this at this point but hey maybe we should <laughs> wow so they did and then the same thing happened at scotty brothers <laughs> Right. <laughs> Tony Scotty was trying to buy something in England and they said, actually, we'd like to buy you. <laughs> wow. So, so then I thought, okay, well, and I've worked for two record companies that worked my butt off and, uh, enjoyed it, but, uh, they, they reaped all the benefits. I'm going to now work for myself. Very cool. So when you go into business for yourself, who uh, is contacting you? Is it Volcano or is it Weird Al contacting you and say, I have this album idea running with scissors. I'd like you to work on it. Um, I think Al and Jay, Jay called me and said, so we're, okay. we're going to um, we're going to finally do running with scissors. And, but there's a caveat, you know, we have to do another cover, too. So um, hmm. and that was fun. It was, you know, it was absolute. The whole project was great. I was at the uh, video shoot. We had I had a photographer there, <laughs> so we'd have imagery. It was just like the old days. Now, on the album names, you mentioned that he had, you know, the idea for an album named Running With Scissors, and I'd heard that rumor for some other albums as well. You know, were you f familiar with, 
you know, had he talked about Poodle Hat, had he talked about Mandatory Fun or Alpocalypse or Straight Outta Linwood or any of that in your time working with him? No, no. He never, he never, uh, we never discussed those concepts. And it's at, after Running With Scissors, he sort of took over. I don't know if he actually designed the albums himself, but I think he was really hands-on. I did some uh, tour banners and and stuff for him. And then uh, we did a whole series of uh, trading cards, baseball cards for his tour. And that was a huge project and a lot of fun. I want to talk about that in a little bit. I've got a couple more Running With Scissors questions. Uh, There were uh, two music videos for Running With Scissors. Of course, the saga begins. But also, it's all about the Pentiums. Were you involved with those as well? Or was the the change to Volcano? Okay. And then we we did a a photo session um, for uh, Running With Scissors in the studio with the band. Mm -hmm. So... um, Right. I was there for that. Like that that's the one where the the knife's in the back, the scissors are in the right. back and um and there's all these the the double the double jointed owl picture on the on the little uh piece of furniture. Yep. You know the one I'm talking about yeah. where yeah. he's got his Armor. arm yeah. bent over. Yeah. <laughs> Now, in the liner notes, Albuquerque, of course, it starts and then it, it doesn't finish. Was that the intention all along, or did you guys run out of space? Uh, I don't think we ran out of space. That was intentional. Okay. <laughs> that was always my favorite song as a kid, so I was always <laughs> disappointed to not have the, the full official lyrics. <laughs> yeah. We did we did a photo session uh, at a studio with the guys, and then we also did, we did a separate photo session for all the Anakin um, insets. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. And the all about the Pentiums photos probably were taken on the set. Yeah, yeah, that was taken at this at the video shoot. <laughs> now there were two more singles off of the Running with Scissors album, but they were released in Germany and in Australia. The first being Polka Power, released in Germany, and Pretty Fly for a Rabbi, which was only released in Australia. Were you involved in those two singles? No, the the affiliates okay. just ran with those. <laughs> okay, and then um, you also worked on Weird Al Yankovic Live, the concert film. Did I? Oh, maybe not. I don't. I think you're listed as it. Oh, you're talking about. Oh, yes, the videos. Yeah, the the video. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah, I did that too. And those were just uh, stills that we had from different uh, concerts. Oh, cool. Yeah, that was fun. I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> the videos were always, you know, like a a little extra thing that we did, um, but didn't put as much attention into them as. Uh, the albums the albums were always the main tickets right right i I think you guys are talking about two different things there were video releases for alapalooza and bad hair day they were uh short i think they had like four videos on them four music videos on them each and then there was also a live concert video which came out in 1999 which was called Weird Al Yankovic Live. So I think uh, I think Doug, you might have been talking about the video, the music video releases, the Alapalooza, the videos, and Bad Hair Day, the videos. And I think Ethan, you were talking about the live concert. Okay, yeah, there's two different things. There's the compilation yeah. of, of videos, and then there's also the live concert. Yeah, right. Yeah, 1999. Yeah. 
So did you work on that 1999 live concert? Video? Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Were you there at the concert? No. I have been to a lot of concerts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I have continued to go to concerts, you know, throughout the years. Oh, wow. So, um, and I've brought people to concerts, you know, who um, were sort of peripherally aware of Al. And universally, every time I bring someone to a concert, they are blown away. <laughs> How could you not be? <laughs> the sheer, I know. I mean, because a lot of people just think, oh, he's, he's a, a, he does parodies, you know, he's, uh, um, and he has kind of a funny voice. Um, but when you hear a concert and you hear the different colors his voice could make and the people that he parries and all the different styles and everything, it's just amazing. And an amazing vocal range. Yeah. And not, not to mention everything else that comes with the live show, the costume changes, oh, yeah. the videos. Yeah. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people, I think, expect that. They don't expect this deep, deep talent. I think that surprises people. At least the people that I've brought mm-hmm. to see the show. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it's cool, too, because, you know, I teach uh, graphic design at an art school. And uh, when people find out that I've worked with Al, they're like, oh, my God, you did? <laughs> you know, I, I'm like a god. <laughs> and and these are young people. They're like 22 you know, 20 people, 20 year old people. And I thought, you guys know Weird Al? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's the cool thing about Al is that uh, people keep discovering him, you know, and and rediscovering and rediscovering each new generation. So um, that's always been fun. Over the years, uh, Al's worked on a lot of different projects that are not necessarily just his projects. One that comes to mind is something like uh, the Best of Polka CD, where one of his songs was included on the CD, but there was a campaign based around him where he was on posters and on uh, stand-ups and things with pictures of his parents all over Sam Goody's in the United States. Were you involved in those kind of photo shoots as well? No, I, I was pretty much strictly uh, doing the Scotty brothers mm-hmm. releases and then the one volcano release. Right. So if it didn't have a Scotty brothers name on it, then at that point you really weren't uh, involved in it. Right. And, you know, a lot of people approach him about doing stuff like that, and they know they're they're going to use him as their ticket in. He's he's the visual that's going to sell the whole project. Right. Right. Now, in working with Al through your career at Scotty Brothers, did you guys have any kind of relationship outside of work? Did you guys get beers or anything like that? No. Um, I, I'd been to Al's house a couple times. Um I've seen him uh, since at other parties, you know, with his wife and daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very sort of uh, casual uh, acquaintance, you know, but he can call me uh, out of the blue and I've called him out of the blue, but uh, he's pretty private. You know, mm-hmm. he, uh, he's a, he's a family guy and, uh, and, and as a person, he's uh, very quiet and uh you know has a very sort of uh very milk toast sort of demeanor <laughs> as a person mm. 
and you know when then when you see him on stage he's this completely other animal <laughs> right now you mentioned that doug you had done some artwork banners for different concerts uh could, do you remember what those banners were and uh, can you tell us about that process how you got involved with that and and designing the banners um well because I worked with Jay Levy so long uh, at Scotty Brothers, he would reach out to me from time to time and say, hey, do you want to do something for this concert, for this tour? For So I did a lot of um, support stuff for the tours. And also, uh, there was a project that Jay and Al were working on. Uh, they did in conjunction with the uh, Orange County Fair called Al's Brain. Ah, yes. Oh, sure, yeah. It was a uh, um, where you you are um, involved. You walk through this this exhibit, and it has all these images and everything. So, I worked right. with uh, Jay and Al on uh, creating the visuals for the mock-up presentations of that. Wow! Cool! Wow! I uh, went out to California. I'm from New Jersey. I went out to California to see the Owl's Brain exhibit. And, and I, uh-huh. I did very much enjoy that, that as you're, before you enter the theater, there was all those different facts and all that. So that, so that was a, a great experience. Yeah. yeah. So throughout the years, they've asked me, you know, to help with things. And, and that's how uh, it came about to do the, uh, the baseball cards. Yeah. Those, those are so awesome. And it, I, I was curious, you know, what went into that? Was it, you know, did they send you a spreadsheet with use these photos, this stuff, or, you know, what was the process? Well, as you can imagine with Al, it's very precise. Yes. So there were very specific images that needed to go on certain things and there, all the little interesting facts, those had to go, the L facts had to go on the back of very specific cards. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty much all laid out. There were, I think I had some leeway sometimes in, in the backgrounds and, uh, um, I got to be creative in some things and I would run stuff by them. What do you think of this? Oh, okay. That's great. So, Hmm. um, that was pretty intense with a lot of, uh, detail. Sure. And into every card. And the back of every card, there's a lot of, of uh, information and facts, you know, about the image on the front. Uh, are you involved in in researching those facts, or are those given to you? And, and you, you just, just need those to, are all given uh, to me. Okay, they're all given to me. I had to make them fit. <laughs> and then just, um, we were trying to do it as economically as possible. So I uh, found a printer. It's an actual, actually a national printer. They have uh, huge printing facilities in, I think, six different areas of the country. And um, so I was actually the print master for those cards. Wow. And so that was a huge oh. responsibility because I had to order the the cards and make sure that all of the sides matched up and i had to proof it and and um it was it was a lot to do and then um jay used this company a local company here called uh, ability first where they hire uh, people with different disabilities who can who can do some uh some work Mm. and we delivered all the cards to this place 
and they randomly sorted them to go into the different uh, bags. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. So that's how they got, that's how they got sorted. Wow. Now, when you're having these printed, were there different rarities or were there the same number of each card? Same number of cards. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then we did a reprint. I think we did two reprints. And then we also created uh, boxes, you know, clear acrylic boxes. So if you wanted the whole set, you'd get the whole set. Right. Yeah, and I remember on separate tours, like as, you know, Al's children's book came out or as, you know, the Comedy Central DVD came out, there were additional cards made. You were involved in those as well? Yes. And I I know there were a couple um, holographic or foil cards that came out as a a VIP exclusive. Those were you as well? Yes. Very cool. Do you have a full set of them just (laughs) framed on your wall? I I mean, I... I do. You do? I have two full sets. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's so cool. I'm the proud owner of Tuple Set. (laughs) I also did uh, Al's website at one point. Oh, yeah. Um, Not the current one that's up, but uh, probably around the same time, around, you know, 1999, 2000, I created uh, the website. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And then somebody else took it over. I I, I don't know if um, John. Bermuda Schwartz, uh, he may have taken it over or they may have farmed it out to somebody else. But um, hmm. so that was a huge undertaking, too. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and you have uh, a lot of, I guess you have to have a good uh, background in website design to, to be able to do something on that scale. Well, yeah, there's different kinds of website design. You, know, you can you can go to uh, Windows and, and order a template, you know, and just pop pictures in the website I design is like an old fashioned website where you're actually designing the structure of each page. Hmm. Right. So, um, it was, it was a lot to do, but was fun. I can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, certainly you know, the, the website for Weird Al, weirdal.com is a great resource for any Weird Al fan at any level. It is so detailed with the amount of information that is up there. I mean, I I use it all the time as a reference site. So oh, me it's too, yeah. great, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's such a great website. Yeah. Were there any other projects you worked on, you know, for merchandise or, or tours or anything else like Al's Brain that you can recall? No. So I think that Al, we did a lot of work on Al's Brain. Um, right. I think we worked on it for a couple of years. So, Along with those baseball cards uh, that, that Ethan mentioned, there were the foil ones that came out. Uh, early as part of the Alpocalypse uh, VIP package, there was a whole package of different artwork, and uh, it was in like a made up to look like a leather uh, folder. Were you involved in that VIP artwork for that tour? No, because I just uh, designed and printed the cards, and then we delivered some to Jay and some to Ability First. So. Then Jay had another company put those VIP sets together. Mm, okay. okay, gotcha. Now I understand you also did some design work for Jim Kimo West. Yeah, yeah, I think I did a couple albums for him. Yeah, I, I got to know all the guys in the band through all the different uh, photo sessions we did and seeing them backstage. And, oh, cool. and also, you know, when uh, Scotty Brothers had a studio right in the complex. So if they were there 
working on tracks and we saw him, you know, we'd walk through the the lobby or the kitchen mm-hmm. and see him in there. Oh, cool. So um, I got <laughs> to know cool. all the guys. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And of course I love Hawaii and I love Hawaiian shirts. I don't know if I have as many Hawaiian shirts as hell, but it uh, <laughs> might be a close second. Wow. <laughs> and I think I, I even have some of the same ones. Oh, that's so great. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, if Al ever needs to borrow a Hawaiian shirt, he'll know who to go to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we, we've spoken for a very long time, and we've talked about a lot of stuff you've done with Al, but I, I do want to briefly touch on, you've got a whole other career that we, we really haven't even mentioned, and that's, you know, as an actor and in theater and in writing. I, I would love it if you could uh, share some information about that side of your life. Sure. Well, I um, when I was in college, I majored in theater and music. So I did a lot of uh, writing for theater and acting in theater. Uh, I met my wife doing summer stock and um, came to L.A. And I was working uh, as an um, occasional player on uh, soap operas. And then I started working at A&M as a temp. And I, wasn't, uh, I was trying to juggle both things. And they kept calling me from the soap, and I turned them down because I was so engrossed in what I was doing at A&M. And so finally, I made the decision to take a full-time job at A&M and let the acting go. Wow. And so then I, started, then I started writing and writing plays. And I had plays produced and, um, in New York and here in Los Angeles, and um, I could manage that. Because if you're working full time, and I was working more than full time, um, I could write whenever I had time. Like if I had to fly to New York, I could write on the plane. If I had to fly to London, I could write on the plane. There was one time I think I had just started at Scotty Brothers, and they had just signed an, uh, a Dutch artist, and they had a single that was breaking out all over Europe. And they said, "Okay, Doug, I want you to make a video on." Um, they're in Australia now. They're going to be in uh, England next week for one day. So we need to make the video in England. <laughs> and um, then they're going back to Europe. And so fly out to uh, England, make that video, and it, it better be good. <laughs> because if it's not, don't bother coming back. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but see, you know, you put me on a plane to London from California, and it's like 11 hours, 12 hours of writing time. So I could write. And uh, sure. I did that for a long time. And uh, most recently, uh, they asked me to be artistic director of this small theater in Los Angeles. So I just started doing that. And um, it's been difficult with the pandemic and the right, shutdown. Right. But we've managed yeah. to actually uh, create uh, several virtual productions. So that's been at least uh, a chance to be creative and engage our, uh, we're a membership company. So we have uh, like 120 creative people who are a member of this theater. Wow. Very nice. And what is the name of that theater? It's called the group rep. And I think it's um, it's either 47 or 48 years old. So it's been around for a long time. That's awesome. It's right Mm -hmm. in LA. Yeah. It's um it's in North Hollywood. Oh wow. Uh, right near the uh the subway station. You know we have a subway now in LA. Did you know that? 
<laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> and people use it. People use it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's very cool. <laughs> it's not like New York. Right. Or Paris or London, but people are using. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, that's good. <laughs> I wanted to ask you a little bit more about being a, a playwright. I understand you write plays and musicals. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer writing the musicals or do you prefer writing you know, the plays? Um, I prefer watching the musicals. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> it, it's interesting because, because I love music, but... Um, it's much easier to watch a musical um, over and over, whereas a straight play, sure. it's um, not quite uh, as exciting. And um, I've, I've had different experience with plays. You know, some are well-received, some aren't. Um, but if you write a play that is well-received and, and you can feel the audience responding to it, I don't know what other artist gets that kind of uh, feedback, gratification. Um, this one musical I wrote with Adrian Russ, uh, it's a musical about five women in group therapy. They're so crazy that they burst into song at the drop of a hat. I mean, we all know people like that, right? Um, well, this little musical opened at this theater and, uh, it's been done around the country, uh, in New York. It was off Broadway and, uh, they did it in Switzerland, in Zurich. And I went, my wife and I went to see it and um, the producers asked if they could introduce me before the show. And I said, I'd prefer if you didn't, because I want to just watch the play with your audience and not have any, not, not have them feel like they have to respond a certain way because a writer's here. Mm, right. So they said, okay, we'll introduce you after. And so this play started, the theater was sold out, the, the, um, all the performances had been sold out. They were sitting people on pillows on the stairs going down to the stage. It was oh, wow. kind of exciting. Whoa. And and um, this is in Zurich, so they speak English, French, and German, all the people there. And the actors they hired were from all over Europe, so we had all kinds of thick accents. The play started, and I could barely understand what those actresses were saying because their accents were so thick. One girl was Polish. One girl was German. And when she said uh, mother, it was mutter, my mother. And um, I thought, this audience is never going to get this. And they got everything. Wow. They got Every single thing that was ever remotely funny in any city I saw it in the United States. And when the play was wow. over, um, the audience kept clack, clack, clapping and clapping like they wanted him to do an encore. And so finally the girls came out again. They said, we don't have an encore. And they kept clapping. And so they finally just did the last number over again. Wow. And then they introduced me. And so I thought, okay, this, this, I like this. This is working. Yes. <laughs> this is how to get introduced. Sure. Um, but it was really amazing, you know, because when you do theater, uh, I've done theater all over the country, and, you know, you, have, you invite friends and family, and they support you and stuff. But when you're in a room with 200 strangers who don't speak English as their first language, and they're responding to what you've written – over and over again, it's like, okay, that this is really good. This is this is what an artist needs. This nurtures a soul. 
Mm. That sounds like an incredible experience. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was. And they just uh, they translated that musical into Serbian and opened it up in Belgrade in um, October of 2018. And it was a huge hit. And it ran right until the pandemic shut everything down oh. in March of last wow. year. So who knows what it could have happened? We could have all gone to Belgrade and seen seen the Serbian version. <laughs> I would love to go. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, how cool. Has Al ever approached you or have you ever floated any ideas with Al along um, being in a play or a musical uh, with each other? Or working, working together? No, I haven't. Um, a long time ago, Jay told me, he said, I know you're a creative guy, um, but uh, it was probably better if you don't suggest anything to Al because <laughs> uh, then you'll tarnish it. <laughs> It's better if he thinks of it, because if he thinks of it fresh, like it was his idea, then uh, it's good. But um, so I have very rarely suggested anything to him out of respect mm, Okay. for his own, you know, okay. he's, he's his yeah. own creative uh, uh, genius. So I just right. try to implement whatever he's got going. And so, obviously, over your career, you haven't only worked with Al. Uh, who are some of your other memorable um, artists that you've worked with? Well, I've worked with artists that you've heard of and artists that you haven't heard of. <laughs> and, um, and and that's an interesting dichotomy because when I was working at A&M, uh, we were passionate about every album that we put out. And imagine any artist who gets signed by A&M. They think, oh my God, I've got it made. I've been signed by A&M. And we would, you know, rack our brains and do a marketing campaign and do a whole layout of press, publicity, and promotion. And it didn't always work. And it could never understand that. I was like, but this artist is so talented. And sometimes artists would get great reviews. I mean, amazing reviews in Rolling Stone and stuff, and, but it just didn't translate to sales. Mm. So that was, that was a hard, hard thing to live with because you get close to these people and you're, you get tied up in their hopes. And then right. if it doesn't happen, it's like, how do you explain that? And the only way to explain it is that we failed. We did not bring that music to the right audience. So um, there's, Tons of artists that I've worked with that I that I got to know and I'm very passionate about, but some of the ones you might know are uh, people like uh, Sting and Janet Jackson, Joe Jackson, Barry White, uh, the Carpenters, of course Herb Albert, Brenda Russell, um, Sergio Mendez, and uh, then of course at Scotty Brothers, James Brown. Right. Oh yeah. And I have James Brown stories that just like, <laughs> you're kidding. That didn't really happen. He didn't really say that. He didn't really do that. Oh, my God. Can you give us a sample? But uh, Okay. Um, he, I, I heard that he had a new album, and it was called Universal James. They told me that at the label. Mm -hmm. They said, we want you to go out to Atlanta and meet with James and talk about his album cover because uh, he doesn't know what he wants, but he'll know it when he sees it. So I fly out to Atlanta, and he's in 
some presidential suite at some hotel during an urban music convention. And he's like, well, the Godfather of Soul is in town. So, you know, it was a party. It looked like a movie set. There was just people <laughs> everywhere. And he traveled with an entourage. He had, you know, bodyguards and uh, two lawyers and a judge. These people traveled with him. <laughs> and um, so I had met him at the label, so he knew me. And when I got there, he, and he called me Mr. Haggerty. <laughs> he, he, he didn't know there was a difference between Haggerty and Haggerty. And there was a TV series with Dan Haggerty called Grizzly or some Grizzly Adam. Sure, and yeah. he knew that series, so he thought I was Doug Haggerty. <laughs> and he called, and he called, he called me Mr. Haggerty. Mr. Agony! <laughs> and, uh, Mr. Agony's here! <laughs> and so I couldn't understand what he said most of the time because when he was in jail, I guess they gave him new implanted teeth and um, he had a hard time enunciating. Now, when he sang, you could understand, but usually he repeated his lyrics a thousand times so you got the lyric <laughs> but when he was talking he talked so fast and he didn't enunciate I couldn't understand what he said it was like what are you talking about <laughs> in fact when Howard Stern had him on his radio show he had an interpreter from Augusta there <laughs> to interpret what he said so I kept moving around the circle and, and asking different people in his entourage what did he say what did he say and they would translate for me and so at one point James Brown says, okay, everybody out, everybody out. So we kicked, uh, this suite had several bedrooms and he kicked everybody out. We were in this one huge bedroom. <laughs> and he was going to talk to me about his, his idea for the album cover. And I thought, I am so screwed. What am I going to do? He's going to say all these words. I'm not going to know what he's talking about. And, and what will I do? And so he did. He started talking. There's no one else in the room. And I thought, you know what? I'll start sketching. So I pulled out a sketch pad and I started sketching what I thought he was saying. Now, I knew that the album was called Universal James. Thank God I knew that ahead of time. Because when he said it was, give me that! That's how he said Universal James. And I heard, uh, I had a friend who was an interpreter at the UN, and she said, you don't always understand everything people say, and you can't get caught up on one word you didn't get. You just have to keep listening, let it wash over you, and the other words will materialize. So, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm listening, and he's saying things like, one universe is not enough for James Brown. He can, his music is so powerful, it goes beyond our universe. His dancing feet can take him beyond any universe. That's, that's what he is. And he, he speaks about himself in the third person. So, you know, I'm getting used to all this stuff. So I'm thinking, this can't be what he's saying, but this is what I'm going to draw. So I drew a picture of space with planets like Saturn and others and stars and stuff. And then I drew James Brown flying through space with rockets on his feet, because that's what I thought he was trying to imply. And he goes, that's it. That's it. And so he throws open the door and he invites the whole entourage back in to look at my sketch. And, Give it a jet. That's it. Platinum, platinum, platinum. So that's what we did. Right? I commissioned a backdrop to be drawn of, of space and he came out to LA and we uh, did a photo session and he um, stood 
on a little pedestal, and then we drew flames on his feet for the album cover. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm looking at the image right now, and you've described it perfectly. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. You see, you see the image. There's, there's another image we did for a single where he's sliding. You know, he's doing, he does that slide, and I have him sliding down the rings of Saturn. And I actually liked that better, but he didn't like that one as much. So yeah. <laughs> we used that as a single. Wow. But he was a character, and actually, I have to say, a really sweet man. Yeah, uh, maybe it was just that point in life. He was just really, really sweet. Uh, he that when we did that photo session, it was the 13th uh, wedding anniversary of him and his wife, and he invited me to the party. Uh, oh, treated me like part of the family. I mean, he was just couldn't be nicer. So I don't know what his personal life was. I don't know if you know uh, all the things they said is true. Um, I never saw that. He was just mm. a gentleman. And he, he said, you call me Mr. Brown, I'll call you Mr. Haggerty. <laughs> <laughs> because, we're pro- because we're professional. And so I said, okay, Mr. Brown, you got it. Wow. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, th- this really has been such a treat getting to chat with you, Doug. I mean, I, I just can't even believe all of the amazing stuff that you've worked on and, and just thinking back to my life and I'm sure Dave's thinking to his life, all of this, um, this artwork that we have just consumed and loved and hung in our, our homes and in our collections, you know, a lot of it came from you and, and you had a big part in that. So that it's, it's really special uh, to get to speak to you about it and, and hear about the process and, and everything that went into it. So just a very heartfelt thank you for uh, speaking with us today. Thank you. Well, I appreciate the platform to speak and the, and that you appreciate the art. I know I used to appreciate the art when I was young. Like I told you, I would save my lunch money to buy records. And my favorite thing was to get home and put on headphones and listen to an album for the first time mm. and just stare at the art. Mm. And so when I got to be on the opposite side of that equation, it was really a thrill. You know, so I would listen to rough mixes and design something, knowing that it was going to someone else was going to have my experience with right. the art and listen to the music. Well, if, if our audience is interested in finding some more information about you and, and some of your projects in the theater you mentioned, they can head over to playworksmusic.com for some of your more personal stuff, and then thegrouprep.com uh, for that theater in LA that you are part of. So, Doug. What can I say? This was just really a great experience for for us. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. Dave and I would love to thank Doug Haverty for generously spending all that time with us, answering our specific and obsessive questions that we know you loved every minute of just as much as we did. I love how Doug mentions that he would listen to the new albums he bought for the first time while looking at the album artwork and liner notes. I don't know about you, Ethan, but I had the same ritual for whenever I'd listen to a new Weird Al album. Oh, absolutely, Dave. There's just something magical about looking at the artwork while you listen. And, you know, I even love listening to the songs in the original order. It's just there's something special about it. It's definitely one of the joys of buying a physical release. That is to see it, to hold it, and enjoy the artwork and liner notes as you listen to the album for the first time. 
Yeah, and, and kiss it. You know, you like to kiss the album too, right? Dave, just me? That experience is missing with digital releases. So, in other words, Al, keep putting out physical releases for everything that you do. And not just your albums. We have heard a rumor that you're working on a movie, so we'd like to see that on Blu-ray disc. DVD. VHS. Laserdisc. Betamax. Video CD. CDI. Divix. Umatic. Video 8. 35mm film. Wax cylinder. Atari 2600 cartridge. Neural implant. Suppository tube. Nanoscale jukebox. Solar-powered blender slash headband. And maybe even on HD DVD. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota beautiful, it's also wizardly. Darwin, Minnesota is home to an important event in the Harry Potter universe. Say what? In the 21st century, the calamity transported several billywigs from Darwin to many places around the world. What are you talking about? For those who might not know, the calamity was used to refer to the byproduct of a spell that dealt a global, devastating blow to the world wizarding community by generating a large number of large-scale breaches of the International Statute of Wizarding Secrecy and took place in the 2010s and 2020s. Dave, I'm being serious. Have you taken your meds today? And of course, a billywig is a magical insect native to Australia. Oh, I see what's going on. Dave, you're reading the ad for Discover Darwin Australia. In Darwin, Australia. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, yes, I am. So visit Darwin, Australia. I mean, Darwin, Minnesota, on your next wizarding adventure. Discover Darwin. More than just Cockadoo Park. And after you visit Darwin, Australia, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. Each week, we are able to bring you our podcast absolutely free thanks to our incredible sponsors, Brito Brito, Discover Darwin, Minnesota, Discover Darwin, Australia, and Jackson Scoggins. And also thanks to our amazing close personal friend Patreon supporters, Jared, Javier, UH Jeff, Kenneth, Scott, Zeb, Adriana, Allison, Blair, Frank from the Bank, and Jake. And thanks to Jeff M. and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our family-friendly weekly Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch. Additional sponsorship opportunities have opened up. So if you wish to show your support for the podcast and hear your name or message on every single full-length episode and get all the other pretty stinking majestic perks that come with joining our Patreon family, please consider becoming a sponsor. Details can be found on patreon.com slash 2000inch or by emailing our lousy, no-good, rotten intern, Frank, at frank at 2000inch.com. And speaking of our lousy, rotten, no-good, kidney stone-having intern, Frank, you can pick up our brand new line of We Hate Intern Frank merchandise over at shop.2000inch.com. We got some fantastic photos from two of our supporters posting their We Hate Frank shirts over on our Facebook group. Thank you to Jackson and to Michael Wong for those amazing purchases and amazing photos. 
and grab your copies of Black and White and Weird All Over and check out our special bonus episode book series where author John Bermuda Schwartz walks us through the book page by page and picture by picture. And remember, only our Patreon family get to hear every single bonus episode early. We love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans. Join our Facebook community and post about Weird Al and learn other great stuff by visiting group.2000inch.com. And we also love it when we receive voicemail via our official 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347-SPATULA. You might even hear your message on a future episode. And for everything about our podcast, including incredible past guests and episodes, be sure to visit WeirdAlPodcast.com or 2000inch.com. And keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you for subscribing and leaving reviews on your favorite podcast app. Make sure that you're subscribed to our podcast because not only does it help the podcast, but also you get all of our breaking headline news alerts as soon as they drop. Thank you once again to our wonderful, incredible, pretty stinking majestic guest, Doug Haverty. Also, thank you to Joe Jaffa, Jackie Rossi, Kenneth Gwinnup, UH Jeff Nucera, Amanda Cohen, Scott Sorensen, Insane Ian, Jeremy Samples, Mike Minnick, Tony Goldmark, Jake Larson, Erica Pell, the Harry Potter Wiki, and thank you to the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for our incredible podcast theme song, and thank you to Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. And a big thanks to all of you, our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible. Thank you once again for choosing Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al Podcast. And until next time, remember to gill and chill. You know what, Ethan? I was re-listening to episode 138-inch, which originally aired on December 22nd, 2021, and we say something pretty peculiar during the outro. Dave, when do we not say something peculiar on this podcast? Well, here, why don't we take a listen? You never know when we might wave our magic wand and drop some breaking headline news. So what do you think, listeners? Was it a coincidence? Or do Dave and Ethan know more than they're letting on? Dun, dun, dun! Uh, you're acting like this is a big conspiracy or something. It is! No one knows! Were Dave and Ethan keeping a big secret? Are they clairvoyant? Or is it just a big coincidence? Dun, dun, dun! You are totally blowing this out of proportion. There's a really simple explanation. We clearly said... I said... Dun, dun, dun! That was Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 142-inch. The Clairvoyant Weird Al Podcast. James Brown flying through space with rockets on his feet.